At Athletic Brewing Company, we've built America's first craft non-alcoholic brewery. We've created a lineup of award-winning non-alcoholic beers. Our beers are made with organic grains and start at only 50 calories. Athletic beers are perfect for anyone who loves being healthy and active, but also loves to enjoy great tasting beer with friends. To give us a try, go to athleticbrewingcompany.com and use code ATHLETIC20 for 20% off your first order. We all know what comes with being a fan, the ups, the downs, and everything in between. Share a Coke with a friend. Coca-Cola, the official beverage of the Columbia Lions. everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Captain's Corner Podcast, presented by Jag One Physical Therapy. I'm Mike Kowalski, joined, as always, by the Columbia football captains, Ben Mathismeyer, Justin Woodley, Stu Nublatt. Welcome back. How you doing? Doing all right. Doing good. Pretty good. Pretty good. So, we'll touch on Princeton game a little bit. Just like it took you guys a little bit to kind of get in sync a little bit. Um, Princeton was able to jump out to lead. You guys battled back, and they pulled away in the fourth quarter. So what were your guys' kind of thoughts? Just kind of put a wrap on last week's game. I think that the defense played a fantastic game. They played super hard. Um, on the offensive side of the ball, I think we just had way too many mistakes that you can't have against a team like Princeton. We had a lot of penalties and a lot of negative runs. So just mistakes that we made kind of shooting ourselves in the foot and when you're playing a good team like Princeton you can't make those mistakes if you expect to win so I think the defense had a really good game and then the offense just had a lot of self-induced mistakes yeah and although I don't think we played poorly you know the, with the standards we hold ourselves to a defense I think the mistakes that we did made were kind of annoying you know at least personally the way you know in our linebacker room some of the mistakes we made uh we we just feel that we're better than that so although you know overall it didn't look too poorly we just know that there was so much left that we left out there you know and we could it could have looked so much better so that's kind of where we left feeling a little bit disappointed as a defense, honestly. Uh, I think, I mean, yesterday we met with a, as a defensive staff and our D coordinator said, you know, there's improvement from week one from Maris to Georgetown and then from Georgetown to Princeton. So just keeping that momentum going for the rest of the season. I mean, I thought as a defensive back unit, giving up 380 in the air to Georgetown against a third-string quarterback to go into Princeton and only give 120 in the air was, was good progress. And it's something that as, as a unit we need to grow on um, and continue to be better in. I thought we were good in the red zone. Um, and then once we got comfortable, I thought you know the third quarter was great as a team, as a whole, and we just had to do a better job finishing in the fourth. Yeah, I think, I mean, it all comes down to, I feel like everybody thinks more offensively, but we just kind of beat ourselves. They didn't beat us, but we more beat ourselves. And like Stu said, I mean, Stu said it best, the defense played unreal game, one of the best games I've seen him play, and uh, gave the offense so many opportunities. And, you know, we just shot ourselves in the foot, had some big-time mistakes that, you know, we can't have. Um, and if we take those mistakes out, I think it's a totally different game. It just seems like in each of the three games so far, it's been different things, but like just a little, not the crispest of the crispest of starts. Um, <laughs> is there anything that you guys have noticed that you guys are going to try to work on to kind of remedy that, or is it just kind of like just kind of what happens in the flow of football sometimes? I mean, Maris, we started terrible. Georgetown, we started yeah. obviously better in the first quarter. And then this game, I mean, they had the long drive. We had the interception. Then they had the long drive, field goal, long drive, fourth down stop, then long drive, touchdown. So, I mean, giving up 10 points in five drives defensively, you know, isn't the worst thing in the world. But we needed to come out firing on all cylinders, and I don't think we, we did that. 
Yeah, it was for this week. It was the penalties came more early in the game, mm-hmm. and then you know at Georgetown, you guys took an early lead. Or there was an early turnover and things like that. So that's kind of what I was kind of addressing uh, in those in those types of things. But you know, is there anything that you need to change up, or you know, without again, we don't want to give away the, like the trade secrets or anything, but something to to focus on for for this week. You know, I never think it comes down to drastic changes, but you know, like you said, when you do have three games where you could see mistakes early on in the game. I think there's something to be said about, you know, finding ways that we can correct those mistakes, you know, especially when we, as we go on to the season. Uh, it only makes games that much more difficult for us. You know, um, you know, it's easy to say, but if we don't give up those two early drives early in the game, right, it's a d- lot of a different game. So I just think being able to come out early, execute early on, coming out with that same energy that we came out in the third and fourth quarter, having that early in the first and second quarter will be a lot helpful for us going down the road. Yeah, building off that, just off the beginning, like we said, we just had negative runs and penalties that just – took us off our pace and where we needed to be and it's hard to convert on second and third and long so just took us a while to get settled in something that we need to work on and we will we'll correct in the future and that being said i mean it's you never want to drop your ivy league opener but there's still a lot of games to be played and you know the way this league works i think it's you know there's there's definitely five or six teams that can continue to compete so uh how do you kind of keep the the mindset positive moving forward and try to turn the page I mean, I think it starts with the top down, like we emphasized, or at least Coach Bagnoli did yesterday, that, I mean, we played a hard football game, and, you know, there's so seven games left in the year, six Ivy League games, and we're going to move on to Central Connecticut, and that's going to be our focus fully for this week, and then when Ivy League play starts back up, and full for us, then that'll be our focus. So for us, you know, we're 2-1, and one, but we're really focused on just going 1-0 and against Central Connecticut and another away game before homecoming. And I think it's just locking in on that process that you have each and every week, you know, um, not worried about the results, not worried about the outcomes, but what we do, handle how we handle practice. So, you know, I think we're going to come out this week. Nothing changes from a, coming off of a loss as it does coming off a win. You know, we just got to have extra focus, extra, a uh, little more discipline this week in practice so that we can clean up some of those mistakes that we were having throughout, uh, on Saturday. Yeah, I don't. no one's panicking or anything like that. I think after the game it was a very much worse fine. I mean, we made a lot of mistakes, and it was still a close football game towards the end of the fourth quarter with, a very good football team so no one's panicking everyone knows that we're fine and we just need to adjust and bounce back after this one and that we're a really good football team and we can compete with anyone we play with so we'll turn to central connecticut state uh what are going to be some again we talked about some of these things that are the adjustments you have to make but what are some other things you're you're looking for this weekend uh going on the road again first from a defensive standpoint we're facing another quarterback that's mobile and we know he's mobile i think against princeton a little bit we may have underestimated how much that quarterback Cole Smith could run um, but this week we know we have an athletic guy back there not the same guy as two years ago because um, he was a stud but a, a guy that you know is really a threat um, with his legs and his arms a true dual threat quarterback which is um, definitely brings a different level of game planning into this week against Central Connecticut. And I, I mean as a defense I think we also need to do a lot better job getting after the football I mean we've had three turnovers and three or four turnovers through the first three weeks but no fumbles you know we haven't put the ball on the ground yet we understand that as a defense if we want to be successful this year that it's going to take some fumbles it's going to take guys getting after that football getting after the ball carrier so i think that's going to be a big point of emphasis for us this week so just getting after the football a little bit better on the offensive side of the ball i just think we need to get back into our groove princeton we just weren't really on schedule doing what we need to do so i think we just need to get back to playing the football we play mistake free football we didn't have a great rushing attack last game, so I think getting back to the rushing attack that we had versus Mayerson Georgetown will be huge and getting our running backs going a little bit, doing better up front to allow them the chance to get some yards and just get back into our groove, get some confidence back. We're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back with more Captain's Corner podcast presented by Jag One after this. Jag One Physical Therapy is a proud partner of the Columbia Lions. 
with state-of-the-art rehabilitation equipment and facilities allow us to develop a specific plan catered to each patient. The JAG-1 team proudly serves the tri-state area with facilities throughout Manhattan, Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, Westchester, Long Island, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. We're here for you. Get back the life you love. Visit www.jag1pt.com. That's J-A-G-O-N-E-P-T.com for more information. New York Presbyterian Hospital is one of the nation's most comprehensive, integrated academic health care delivery systems dedicated to providing the highest quality, most compassionate care and service to patients in the New York metropolitan area, nationally and throughout the globe. New York Presbyterian is consistently recognized as a leader in medical education, groundbreaking research, and innovative patient-centered clinical care. Ranked number one in the New York metropolitan area by U.S. News and World Report and repeatedly named to the honor roll of America's best hospitals, New York Presbyterian has 10 locations in the metropolitan area. For more information, visit nyp.org today. All right, welcome back to Captain's Corner, presented by JAG1. I'm Mike Kowalski, and we're going to do something a little bit different. We probably should have done this at the beginning of the season, but, you know, we got we got some time to play with. So we're going to uh, go in depth on each of these guys and uh, let you know where they came from and how they wound up at Columbia, and you'll get to hear their stories a little bit. So we're going to start with Justin today. So uh, why don't you just kind of start, tell us a little bit about yourself, and uh, we'll kind of go from there and let these guys kind of chime in and give their perspective on, on you. My name's Justin Woodley for those maybe don't know already um those who can't see you those who can't <laughs> see uh, name is, um, i'm from san diego california uh born and raised spent my whole life there came out here uh, obviously in 2017 so i'm a what we're calling super seniors this year so should have graduated back in may 2020 came back for another year you know linebacker i'm also a psych major but just really excited to be here uh columbia was my first offer coming out of high school so it's pretty cool seeing kind of how that all turned out to be you know uh, i always said growing up or when i once I started getting recruited, that whichever school was the first one to offer me was always going to be around. Uh, might not have ended up going there, but it was always going to be one that I was going to be interested in looking at. So pretty funny how that ended up working out. Couldn't have uh, picked a better school. Some of the people I think uh, that you get to meet here are absolutely fantastic. I think uh, if I had to put one thing above anything else at this school, it's probably the people. Uh, you know, I think this school has a lot of resources, and there are a lot of great things about the school in New York City, the classes that you can take, but just the people that you are exposed to at a place like this is kind of one of the things that I'm most that I take most for granted at times but I'm really trying to find myself more appreciative of those things so it's kind of a little quick synopsis there for you guys was that kind of what drew you to Columbia or is that something you kind of picked up as you got here uh I think it's something that I picked up with maturing you know I think it's something that when I was in high school especially when I'm a lot younger people tell you about you know networks and important and the people who you know is important and people that know you is important but you know, I was more focused on football. I was more focused on the jerseys that we're going to wear, how many people we're going to play in front of. So little things like that. But then once you get here and you're finally exposed to the people, and I don't, I don't even think I'm talking necessarily just about, like, tutors or the teachers specifically or, like, alums that you meet, but the amount of people who show support for you day in and day out, you know, the people that actually truly do care and are invested in your day-to-day well-being. Um, and I think you see more of that here than you might see at other places, you know, whether it be someone like a Jessica DiPaolo, who we just saw upstairs. It's pretty cool seeing her again. But uh, someone like that, you know, someone like Ted Gregory, who's always around the program, little like people like that, you don't, you don't necessarily get those at other places. And it's definitely not something that I was focused in on when I was being recruited, but it's something that I'm surely reaping the benefits of now. Let's go back a little bit. How did you start playing football? Tell us that story. Uh, that's a funny story. So that's actually my dad. He uh, he lied about my age when I was two years old. So I guess at the YMCA, you had to be three to start. 
And uh, my dad just got too excited when I was two years old, so he went out there, he found a way, I guess, to lie and got me out there playing flag football when I was two years old. So Sounds like something you would do yeah, with your oh kids. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're going to keep that off the record so <laughs> in case it does happen. But, yeah, that was my dad. My dad's the one that got me into every all my sports, you know, whether it be football, basketball, lacrosse. I think my dad is kind of at the heart of all that. Um, but he was the one that got me into football when I was two years old, started coaching me when I was five years old, coached me all the way through pretty much until I got to high school. Um, and then – from there, you know, he was always the guy that was at all my games. So I, mean, I really credit him with not only being, you know, the guy that got me into football, but he's kind of like the inspiration of my life. He's the guy I look up to the most in my life. Um, so, you know, my dad always being there, me and him, we called pretty much once a week. We talked for about an hour, hour and a half. We probably spent an hour, 15 of that talking about football, whether it be Columbia football, the NFL. We're both Raven fans. You know, I get that from him. So um, we had a great win this past weekend. So Just wait, so how, did, how, did, how did the Raven – become your team if, growing up in san diego oh, so God, here we this go. is actually so this is actually he's a bandwagon so, here we go so my dad my dad grew up in baltimore right well he didn't grow up a baltimore Raven fan because they obviously came into yeah. existence in 1996 but obviously when i was born i was growing up watching raven games and chargers as much as they're from san diego it's not a strong fan base in san diego which is why they're in la exactly <laughs> which is why they're in la you know if there are any charger fans listening sorry but it's just the truth. It's not that strong. You don't see, like, you know, I went to Seattle over the summer, and you'll see, like, Seattle flags hanging on random buildings. You see Seattle people everywhere. It's just not like that in San Diego. So, for me, the most thing I was ever exposed to was Raven games on Sunday. And, like, my dad also had Sunday ticket growing up, so he was always that guy who was watching eight games at the same time. So, I never had a team. But when the Ravens were playing, it was the only game on TV. So, it was one of those kind of just, like, you just knew that the Ravens were the team we had to support. And it was also one of those things where growing up, if the Ravens lost – my dad was miserable for the rest of the day. So it was like, ugh, that's the worst. So when you're so happy when the Ravens win and then you're pissed off when the Ravens lose because now your dad's kind of done for the rest of the day, <laughs> for the rest of the <laughs> Sunday. Brainwashed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And it's, it's almost funny. It's funny now because, you know, at the time you're like, oh, it's annoying. And then I'm the exact same way now. Like, you just cannot talk to me if the Ravens lose on a Sunday. So <laughs> it's pretty funny how that's kind of come full circle. It's funny how you kind of turn into your parents. I think we're all kind <laughs> of <laughs> the same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> So guys, what do you what do you what makes Justin you know the person he is, the player he is? Why don't you guys talk a little bit about him? Uh, I can take this one first. Justin is very resilient. I think um, Justin's one of my favorite players to ever play with, and it's crazy to think that our first time starting together was the first game of this year due to injury. And Justin's gone a lot through a lot through his career with injury, um, but every single day, regardless if he was on the field or on the sideline, he brought. A lot of energy, um, <laughs> for lack of better terms. Um, and so it's just been great finally being able to play with him, especially because we were the same class, super seniors, um, and coming in. So shout out Bishops. Yes, sir. Um, Justin's high school because we have a bunch of country day guys and Bishop guys. So I would also say Woodley's very authentic in everything he does. Like the energy he brings – and like it's very much him and none of it's fake it's all him and how much energy he brings into uh practice i would say i know on the offensive side woodley's probably the guy we get annoyed with most often because <laughs> he's over there screaming at us yelling at us telling us we're no good during practice uh so things could get flared up but that's exactly the type of guy you want in your team and that you want in your corner come game day injuries and overcoming that and what it means to be back for this this last year yeah i mean you know I think the kind of Ben touched on the injuries thing. It's probably, you know, it's a, little, it's a difficult part in my life. I mean, I went through two surgeries here. Uh, I never got hurt playing football. Well, I got hurt, but, like, never really missed a game or missed time due to football until I got here sophomore year. Got uh, injured in camp. Didn't think it had something that happened before. Sublux my shoulder. 
uh, didn't think too much of it, and then just it kept happening. Had to shut it down, got surgery. Uh, you know, was able to rehab, come back from that, didn't think too much of it the first time around. I mean, it was tough, obviously. Ask anyone that's gone through surgery and gone through the rehab process. It's never easy, but thought I was handling it well. I uh, thought I was doing all right, was able to finally come back, and then probably two weeks into junior year camp, same thing happened. This time it was a lot worse. I actually had a full dislocation, so um, surgery was a lot worse this time. Tried to come back again. Wasn't able to do so. Was knocked out two quarters into the season, so had to go through surgery again. This one was a lot worse, I think. You know, at the time, again, I think this was difficult for me just because I was always so good mentally throughout my life. I never really had any problems with depression or sadness or anything like that, so I didn't really know what I was dealing with at the time, and I think a lot of people who go through surgery probably don't know what they're dealing with at the time because you just think, you know, oh, it's surgery. I'm not supposed to feel great about, you know, being injured, but I didn't realize how bad it was, so I think, you know, uh, going through those two things, had the second surgery, uh, then had some other stuff happen in my personal life that wasn't great, you know, that kind of all piled on top of each other. And then it all kind of swung right into all that flew right into the pandemic starting. So uh, it was kind of a pretty challenging couple months there for me, you know, personally dealing with a lot of things. But then I think the pandemic is one of the best, not like obviously it's a terrible thing that's happened. You know, many people going through deaths in the family, lives changes, losing their jobs. But you know, I think it, the impact that it had on me is it gave me an opportunity to kind of reset. I was able to go home. You know, my relationship with my parents had kind of been strained because I you know, wasn't talking on the phone with them. I was dealing with my own thing. I was able to get closer to my parents again, spend a year and a half at home, get my body right physically. You know, I think had we had to have a season in 2020, I don't think my shoulder would have been really ready to go. So getting that full year to kind of, you know, get off. You know, when our season was first canceled, I think everyone was pretty disappointed too. Uh, but I think that the one thing that I was able to maintain throughout the entire period of being home was that, like, positive attitude of, you know what? season got canceled but your shoulder wouldn't have been ready anyways right yeah you had to go home for a year from the pandemic but you were in a terrible place when you left here and you needed a break like that so I think being able to keep that positive attitude throughout all the things it's a lot of what we draw on from this team you know Charlie Mike that idea of just continue the mission you know especially during the pandemic when there was so much unknown you know we didn't know when we were going to come back we didn't know how long it was going to keep going was I ever going to be able to come back you know was there going to be too much time gone away and I was just going to have to graduate so keeping my head down, keep grinding, you know, doing the work. I think, you know, I found, fell in love with finally like weightlifting again, like truly loving that process. I think I was lifting five days a week the entire time I was home. So really finding that, refining that love again, getting right mentally, getting right physically, I think was huge for me. And then all that came right back into over the summer. We finally got to come out and see everyone again. I don't think I was that happy as I'd been, you know, a couple of years. So, but being in a right place physically and mentally for all that to come together and then to have this season finally come around, you know, finally get to play games again. It's just been awesome. So, you know, looking back on that time, I haven't had too much time to really think about everything I've been through over the past few years, especially now that the season started. We're just so busy with class, with football. You know, I think once the season ends, I'll have more time to really reflect on it. But it's been pretty fun looking at, you know, the journey so far. And, you know, I think where I get a lot of it from is a lot of people, like Ben mentioning it right there, you know, it's like saying how resilient it is. I think often at times I get lost in how much I've actually been through, you know, and I think taking a step back, realizing how much I've gone through I'm starting to see how much more strength I have so it's kind of been great for me myself you know seeing like you're a lot you have a lot more than you initially thought and I think that's kind of something that I'm really taking a lot of as we continue to go on throughout the season but like I said reflecting on all this after the end of the season I think will be a lot I'll, I'll have a lot more emotions a lot more thoughts about everything I've been through.
Sorry for that long answer. No, you're good. That's great. <laughs> for anybody that's listening, when you're going through those darker times, was there anything that you were able to do to kind of help you get out of those besides, you know, working out or find the outlets or anything like that? You know, I think the first thing I had to do was admit that I was going through something. Um, probably three weeks into the pandemic was the first time I looked. I told my mom, I was like, Mom, you know, I was, I was, I was just looking at my mom. I was like, hey, Mom, you know what? She's like, what's up? I was like, I was pretty depressed after surgery. She's like, like she's like, what, what, what do you mean? Like I'm not someone who talks about these things at all. And I was like, well, I don't know. I woke up today and I was like, I feel great. Like this is like, I'm, I'm feeling good. Like past week, I don't know what's going on. Like I should feel terrible. We're stuck at home, still quarantines going on. I was like, I do not. I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. And then it's when I started to finally start to think about like, how did I feel during the pandemic? You know, I mean, there was a period. I mean, I can say it now, but there was a period after this after I had surgery, I didn't go to class for three weeks. Didn't go to a single class. Didn't leave the room. I mean, I was stuck in my room. And at the time, I was like, well everyone feels that after getting injured but it's like no people don't necessarily feel that right and so I think the first thing I had to do was realize that like something not feeling right is okay and that like it's okay but also that you then have to then deal with it I think the whole time I knew I wasn't great but it's like I'm fine like I'm not I don't feel like I want the world to end I don't I am still you know here I don't I'm good to go so once I was able to admit that there was actually something wrong. I was think I was able to finally reflect and see what those things were that were wrong and then actually talk about them and address them. I think talking about all these issues is something that you have to be able to do, whether it be with a professional or even someone like my mom. Like me, it was me and my mom. We'd just have conversations outside. We'd spend time talking like hours. And I think, you know, those little things kind of really helped. And then the biggest thing for me, I think, is just finding something that you do enjoy doing, right? For me, like I said, it was lifting. So for me, it was how strong can I get before we get back out here? How much running can I do? How physically good could I get in the entire year that we're given? And so I almost like viewed it as like a challenge to myself. It was like, I don't have football right now. I don't have that outlet that I normally would, but let me use that same focus, that same energy that I bring towards football, towards something else. And I, obviously it's a little bit easier because it correlated straight to football, but it, whether it be, you know, anything else that you find, I also like, I want to be a coach after. So that was kind of where I took all my other energy. So when I wasn't working out, you know, I had to take a semester off. I wasn't able to take class. I spent it all doing football. So whether it be watching film, watching clinics, reading up on things that coaches are putting on Twitter and stuff like that, that's kind of how I spent my time. So I think finding passions that you do enjoy doing, finding things that can, I don't want to say distract you because you don't want it to be a distraction. You want it to be something that you truly like are seeking out doing. But when you are going through those tough times, having those things, those outlets that you can go to, and then just having people you can talk to, I think there's no, you can't put a price on being able to talk these issues out. And sometimes just talking about it, you might get a new perspective that you might not otherwise have had. Very cool. Good luck following that, guys, in the next couple of weeks. That, yeah. was, that was awesome. Ooh, I had a question for Woodley, actually. Where sure. do you think uh, California football ranks among Ooh. the nation's football? Especially, Gosh, like, please, let's say, compared please, to Texas football. Please okay, give us I one mean, answer. I'm begging. Here's, here's the simple truth of the matter, right? You know, a, a lot of people are going to have their own opinions. A lot of people are going to bring a lot of bias to the matter. The conversation about the best nation starts a hell of a lot after California. You know, we have California at the top. At number one, <laughs> and then we can start the conversation about the other 49 states. I mean, you know, we have these conversations in the locker room all the time, and I don't know how many times we're going to have to have them, right? California, obviously number one. Just look at the players that have come out of that state. Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, we don't have to go any further. Where did Tom Brady Thank go to college? Look, we're not worried about college. We're worried about high school. Yeah, I mean, come on. Tom Steve. Brady that, is that's from that's California. so irrelevant. Aaron Rodgers is from California, and we have the, gra we have the greatest – NFL player of all time, Tom Brady. We have the greatest college player of all time, oh, Reggie Bush. Oh God. Thank you very much. <laughs> if, if, I mean, if you hold it there, there's oh no man. other comparison. Now, the Pac-12 right now, we're not going to discuss the Pac-12. But 
High school football, California's king. Thank you very much. Can we just agree <laughs> that Texas is inflated? Oh, the God. Everyone. All right. I mean, if we're being honest, if it depends on what you look at for your qualifications for best state. I think the best – it's tough because there's so many different – like, there's so many elements to this. Like, for example, Florida has really good football, but they're all really close together. So you have a lot of really, really nationally competitive high schools that are really close to each other. Texas is deep as can be. They're bringing out more talent across the state than anyone than any other country, than any other state in the country. But again, you have schools that have seven thousand kids. When Florida high schools who are competing against those same schools might have fifteen hundred, and then you have California, who everyone you know. And to be fair, it's a fair argument, but it's the private school argument. The best league it is. It's all private schools. Mm -hmm. It's six private schools. They're going to try to lie and say they don't recruit. That's not true. We all know they recruit. <laughs> I mean, they got kids from all over the country that yep. fly yeah. in and stay in these areas and play in these states. So it, it's really just what you want to pick and choose, what qualifies as the best state, honestly. But I would agree with Ben in the argument that it's California, Texas, and Florida as the conversation for who's the best, and then we can start talking about – not other, to be disrespectful. Yeah. These I other mean, states play you know, great football. There's great football. But we're, as, we're having a, a conversation about and who's then we the got best. Pe- we got people like Ty that, you know – DMV. I, we don't have a lot of room to, to work with. They're trying to claim like three <laughs> different California states in one, like and it's not even a state. It's just an area. <laughs> we got we got a kid on the team from Richmond that's claiming the DMV. Oh, <laughs> Graham, yeah, Graham, Graham Flynn. Let's just Flynn. give a Graham Flynn trying to claim <laughs> DMV. Shout out Flynn, but I mean, what, what's this guy doing? Seriously, <laughs> he's a Richmond. Uh, Richmond. Oh my, we got we got. Oh, and don't get me started on the Jersey Boys because uh, we have more oh, Jersey Boys on the team than any other state. So we have we have to just listen to them because there's more of them. So by volume, they love to get it's their like, voices out. It's there. like background but noise like, from it's the Background noise. Well, what do we what do we listen? Jersey? We have, we have too many kids from Jersey on the team. Oh, way too many. Especially especially in the tight end room. Especially too many kids from Jersey. Oh man, that's good. That's our that's our state football take. I mean, we, we, could, we could have a whole episode purely on just state breakdowns, bringing in kids from every state. So it, it seems like you guys are in right harmony, there. though. Like, I think Stu was trying to start something, and then yeah. it just didn't wind up where he wanted it to go, I think. <laughs> Stu and I don't have an argument here. <laughs> no, not against Texas and California. We don't have, Maryland doesn't have the real estate. If you put, <laughs> so if you put Texas, if you put 10 Texas kids, 10 California kids, and 10 Florida kids in a room and put a mic and just clicked record, you could create probably 10 podcasts worth of content from those <laughs> arguments alone. Yeah. Another podcast. Like I play with the guys like Chase Young. There are a few names that come out of there. I've like, we just there's not like a ton of names, but I I think it's like on the upcoming, on the rise. Um, our league it just it, it produces a bunch of guys, but there's just not like a lot of that. Right. You know right. what I mean? Chase Young, it's a good one. It's a good one. That's yeah. He's all right. right. That's yeah. he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's decent. Yeah. He's decent. Yeah. Decent. Gosh. We're going to wrap it up for episode number four of the Captain's Corner podcast presented by Jag One. I'm Mike Kowalski. Thanks for listening. Uh, We'll be back next week. But before that, the Lions play on the road for their non-conference finale against Central Connecticut State this Saturday, October 9th at 1 p.m. Fans can catch all the action on NEC front row, so no subscription required. Uh, And then next week, Columbia is back at home for homecoming. So you're going to want to get your tickets to that. Visit GoColumbiaLions.com slash tickets for more information. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening. Again, if you haven't subscribed yet, search for Columbia Athletics wherever you get your podcasts. uh, And we'll talk to you again on Wednesday.